0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God which engages us is the first portion of the epistle lesson read previously. Thus far the text, Dear friends in Christ, Why me? Perhaps you've uttered that question from time to time in your life. And those words usually are not uttered when things are going great in our lives. For example, if you get a promotion at work, I highly doubt that you'll go to the boss and ask him, why me? Or if you get an A on a paper you've written in school, I doubt you would go to the teacher and ask, why me? Those words usually are not uttered when things are going great in life. Rather it's when the troubles come, when the tragedies come in our lives that we, at times, feel like asking, why me? When we lose our job from that company that is downsizing, after we've worked there for many, many years with devotion and dedication, why me? When the diagnosis comes back, cancer, after we have been healthy and strong all of our life, why me? or when death rips a loved one from our life so that we end up feeling all alone in this world why me today i invite you to join me in exploring this question why me using our epistle lesson as the starting point in our epistle lesson the letter to the hebrews the writer is writing to Hebrews, to Jewish Christians who apparently are being persecuted as a result of their Christian faith. Just two chapters earlier, in Hebrews chapter 10, we read of their struggles and their sufferings, of their public ridicule and even the plundering of their property. Throughout the entire book of Hebrews, The message is the same from God to these Jewish Christians. Be strong. Hang in there. Endure. Do not give up the Christian faith and your confession in Jesus Christ as your Savior, which would have been very easy for them to do. And we can understand how at times they may have been asking, Why me? Or collectively, why us? Why is God allowing this to happen to us? As we explore this question, why me, there are three other questions that we have to address first. The first of those questions is, because I am a Christian... Is it wrong that I have tragedies and other bad things in my life? Shouldn't I be protected from those things in my life? Of course not. There is no passage in all of Scripture that promises that because we are a Christian, we are somehow never going to have terrible things, even tragedies, occur in our lives. In fact, Jesus even warns us as Christians that we are going to face opposition from the world. And as we look around us, we see that some Christian families and households seem to have more than their fair share of troubles and tragedies in life. The second question, when troubles and tragedies come into my life, Is God punishing me because of my sins? Of course not. He already has punished his own son, Jesus Christ, for all of your sins. On the cross, Jesus voluntarily went there in your place to be punished for and to endure the punishment that should have been yours because of your sins. To say that Jesus is today punishing you because of your sins is to imply that Jesus' job of redemption was somehow incomplete and that the Father is not satisfied with his work and nothing could be further from the truth. And the third question, couldn't God stop or prevent... All of these terrible things, all these tragedies that are coming into our lives? And of course the answer is, yes, he could. But he chooses to allow certain things to enter our lives for our own good and for the furthering of his purposes in our lives. The writer to the Hebrews uses the expression, the discipline of the Lord. And the only thing that is too bad about that translation of the word is that to many people, it probably does sound as if God is punishing us as a result of our sin. That word can also be translated, the instruction and the training of a child. We indeed are the children of our Heavenly Father, and our Heavenly Father is instructing and training us, even in the worst of circumstances in this life. And his good purpose is that our faith would be strengthened, and we would continue with him all the way to eternal life. Now, while that all sounds good in theory, when it comes down to the practice of it, we don't want that training, we don't want that instruction, we don't want that discipline in our lives at all. The writer to the Hebrew puts it so very well. Hebrews puts it so very well when he says, "For the present time, all discipline seems unbearable or unpleasant, and indeed it does." How easily, though, we buy into one basic assumption of Western civilization, and that is that nothing good can possibly result from suffering, that nothing beneficial can possibly come as a result of hardship in our lives, and so we don't want it in our lives. We don't stop to consider what God might be trying to do either in our life, or through our life, in the lives of others around us. At best, we have sympathy for other people who are undergoing terrible times in their lives, but in the end, how many times don't we conclude, better you than me? And yet, God is at work, even in and especially in the very difficult times in our lives. He is at work in the midst of our lives, and he is at work through us in the lives of others around us. In effect, he is instructing us. He is training us with his word and his supper in the midst of all that takes place in our lives. There's no better example of this than St. Paul himself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul speaks about a particular thorn in the flesh that afflicted him. We don't know exactly what that thorn in the flesh was. It seems as though it was some type of a physical ailment. Some think it might have been malaria, which was rampant in his area of the world at that time. Others think it might have been some sort of an eye problem, but we really don't know for sure. It was so serious, however, that Paul says that three times he asked the Lord to remove that affliction from him. And three times the Lord's answer was no. My grace is sufficient for you, or my grace is enough for you. Why me? Paul didn't have to ask that question because God had informed him as to exactly why he allowed that thorn in the flesh into Paul's life. It was to keep him from being too puffed up with pride, too arrogant, too conceited. I can't tell you exactly why God has allowed certain tragedies to enter your life And if anyone tells you that they can tell you exactly why, don't believe them. They don't have the mind of God, and neither do I. But I can tell you exactly what God promises. In Romans 8, verse 28, God says and assures us that he works for good in all things to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Notice Paul is not saying here that all things are good. They aren't. There are terrible things in this world. But he is saying that even in the midst of these terrible things, God is at work for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. When I graduated from seminary and served as a young pastor in Muscouta, Illinois at Zion Lutheran Church there, we had an event that took place that left a lot of us scratching our heads for a few days. One of the ladies in that congregation was suddenly afflicted with terrible abdominal pain, so much so that she was hospitalized. And for three frustrating days, there were test after test after test done And no cause was found. And then at the end of the three days, the pain suddenly was gone. She was discharged and went home. It was so frustrating, but yet she never wavered in her faith. She had an unquestioning faith and trust in God through this entire ordeal. But it left all of us scratching our head, wondering why did God allow that into her life? until three days after she was home, she received a handwritten card from one of the nurses who had cared for her in the hospital, telling her how much her faith, this woman's faith, had impacted her as a nurse, as she cared for her throughout this three-day ordeal. Yes, God is at work, even amidst the terrible things in life, for the good, for those who love him, and are called according to his purpose. And so today, I invite you to see the bigger picture of God at work in your life and through your life in the lives of others. A God who loves you with an everlasting love, a God who wants nothing more than to have you there by his side in his presence for an eternity. And when we see that picture, Perhaps we can change from asking the question, why me, with frustration and complaint, and begin to ask that question with a sense of awe and wonder and gratitude. Why me? Why does God love me so much? Why is he so concerned with me? Why does the all-powerful, all-knowing God of the universe take the time to instruct and train and discipline me? Indeed, why me? Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in this one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen.